Good morning. What a real blessing it is to be here among you again. It's been a long time, but uh, I just got so many friends here, and I just feel like this is part of my part of my home. And uh, I just want to thank you for the privilege to be here. I'm reading from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. God bless his word. Thank you, Mary Lou. Nicely done. Well, it's a glorious morning, isn't it? Wow. And I I just personally want to thank a lot of people who, I'm I'm not going to list a lot of people, but I'm thanking a lot of people who participated in a really overwhelming task. But I especially want to recognize Sarah Butemiller and Kathy Apotion for an enormous amount of work. We've had major events the last three weeks, and these two faithful women have been busting their humps to get it all done. And in some ways, putting their own jobs on hold to get this done. And I certainly appreciate how beautifully it has all come off. Um, it's, uh, as the bulletin says, this is a, a service of, refla- of anniversary and rededication. It's easy to overlook the second part of that. We are reflecting on our past and we are rededicating ourselves to our future. And, and this beautiful uh, slideshow and, 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 and having our, I don't want to say old pastors, former pastors, yes, <laughs> yeah, here has been a, a, a wonderful time. We've witnessed a great 75-year legacy of two facts. The first fact is God's faithful provision of gifts, spiritual gifts, talents, money, to build this place, this ministry. The ministry that occurs in this building, that occurs around this community through our covenant partners, our ministry partners here, and around the world. But this church is a hub of ministry, and for 75 years, God's faithfulness has sustained and built this place. But we also want to see it's a legacy of, of the leaders and members' faithful stewardship over the years. So it has been a combination, it's been a team of God's faithfulness and God's people's faithfulness. And that's how God works. And it was really tough to select a, a passage to teach on this morning 
because we're really emphasizing two different and connected realities. Uh, we're talking about celebrating our past. Celebrating our past. And it's also a climactic week in our stewardship campaign, which emphasizes and shapes our future. So we celebrate our past. What a wonderful, glorious thing it has been. But we also must celebrate what God is going to do in our future. And so uh, history and future, looking back, looking forward, is what we're doing this morning. And, and, and what, how, what passage encapsulates those? Well, I, I, I prayed and I thought and I wrestled and I wrote a couple of ideas and put them aside. And finally, this passage, Psalm 127.1, hit me like a ton of bricks. Because what we read in this wisdom psalm, this song of ascents, this glorious time of celebration, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And this talks about an essential approach to building anything and then preserving what we have built so that we can continue building. The first line, of the, the first two lines of this uh, verse say, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So he's talking about building, about creating, and that's what we've celebrated this morning, 75 years of God's faithful uh, work through his faithful people in building what we enjoy here. The building, the facilities, the ministry, the reputation in the community, the, the ministry partners we have around the world. This has been a fabulous building concept. And if the Lord hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here. And if God's faithful people hadn't followed his lead, we wouldn't be here. So the, the first line talks about building. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Poof. It's just air. Unless the Lord builds the house, especially this kind of a house. This is a ministry house. And what we're doing here, we are incapable of doing. I cannot lead a person into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Unless the Lord builds what we're building here, all our efforts are in vain. But if we have no effort, it doesn't get done. But then the second line says, not only does the Lord build the house, he says, in addition, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. So after something is built, it has to be protected, it has to be nurtured, it has to be cared for. And, and, and just as true as the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of people in building this place for 75 years and bringing us to this moment, it is equally true that unless God sustains this place and continues to build it and uses us to sustain this ministry and continue to build it, we work in vain. So once again, we see the, the, the combination. You notice it says, it didn't say unless the Lord builds the house, the builders pray in vain. It doesn't say, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards pray in vain. No, the builders are building. And the watchmen are watching. So yes, as crucial as it is that God blesses the work, 
it is equally true that the builders are building and the watchmen are watching. So it's a beautiful team effort. And, and, and that's, that's, we find that throughout Scripture. And as you know, this is a poetry. This is a poem. It, it's a psalm. And, and we don't limit, when he's saying uh, the Lord builds the house, he's not limiting it to buildings. If the Lord, unless the Lord builds anything, unless the Lord builds your life, unless the Lord builds your company, unless the Lord builds your family, unless the Lord builds this house, this ministry, we labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over your family and your life and your business and this church, all that we do is in vain. God says, I will do my part, but you must do your part. And that's why I thought this poem, this, this beautiful imagery of the Lord watching over us as we build, and the Lord protecting us as we sustain and protect and nurture what God has allowed us to build. This morning we celebrate what God and Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church's members have built over the past 75 years. And now it's important that we celebrate the fact that this ministry that they built has been handed over to us. Yes, to us. Look around. We are the church. We are the people of God. And now we are Palm Desert Community Presbyterian's history and its future. Psalm 127, verse 1, provides the strategy we must follow if we dream of our grandchildren and their children celebrating Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church's 150th anniversary, 75 years from now. What a crucial moment, what a crucial time in history that God has brought us together in this place. The idea I want to share with you this morning is that the best way to honor our past is to strategically move into our future. Yes, we celebrate the past. Thank God. Praise God. And we've done that in a beautiful way this morning. But we must never forget that this is our day, that we are God's stewards that the best way to celebrate our past is to strategically move into our future. And I use that word strategically because a strategic move is a highly intentional, well-reasoned plan of action that will move us from our point of departure to our point of focus, to where we believe God wants us to go. And Psalm 127, verse 1, gives us that strategy. Well, what is that strategy? What is the strategy that will move us into our future so that this church doesn't just exist? A lot of churches exist. They meet, they go through the motions on Sunday morning. At noon Sunday morning, it goes out of existence until the next Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. This is not a church that exists. This is a church that's moving. It's a church that's saying God has given us a task and we're busily, passionately, faithfully pursuing that task to his glory. Well, that strategy, Ryan Hartwig spoke to us a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, and he talked about from Acts chapter 2 the description of the early church, the embryo, the very 
new infant church right after it was initiated on the day of Pentecost. And he said they were devoted to five things. And, and, and they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. And they were also uh, devoted to fellowship, to taking care of each other, to worship, to, to ex uh, extending their heart toward God, toward generosity. And it says the Lord was adding daily to their numbers those who were being saved. So they were actively involved in the community, doing God's work, bringing people to Christ. And so as you look at those five things, we put them into two categories. First, they were dependent on God. They had a faith response. They, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What does God want us to do? What is God telling us about who we are and what we exist for? The apostles' teaching and the prayer. Oh, Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. We don't want to do this by ourselves. We're not smart enough to do this by ourselves. We're not powerful enough to do this by ourselves. Oh, God, send your blessing on us. Send your Holy Spirit to empower us, to gift us, to bear fruit in us. They fully understand that the work that God had given them to do, they could not do by themselves. But they're also devoted to one another, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, to worship, to generosity, to taking care of each other, and to bringing other people into this covenant community of Christ. And God was adding daily to their church. So yes, we have this faith response to God. We also have this action response as God's servants. Lord, we know what you want us to do. Give us the power and the wisdom to do it. And then last week, Michael Landis walked us through 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 20, chapter 29, and he shared with us David's fundraising strategy, was they were preparing to build a temple, and the enormous amount of funds that were needed to build that temple uh, almost unimaginable. As you read the description of it and the description of building of it in 1 Kings chapters 5 through 9, it's, it's gold everywhere and precious stones and, and beautiful artwork and building the Holy of Holies and the holy place and all of this, this beautiful uh, work to be done. Enormously expensive. Importing cedars and gold from around the Mediterranean world to, to have the finest of everything because this was God's place. And as David prayed that God would supply the funds to build that glorious temple, he understood that God would supply those funds not by dropping it out of heaven, but by filtering through God's people. And so David's statement that, that Michael so eloquently shared with us last year, just one of the statements in this prayer that David gave, he said, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And he answered, everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So he recognized, yes, God's people are supplying the funds to build this beautiful temple. But the only reason we as God's people can supply these funds to build God's temple is that God has first richly and abundantly supplied to us. And as we look around this beautiful building, this beautiful building, we realize it took a lot of money to build this place. And people prayed as David did, Lord, 
Bless us so that we can continue your work. Make us conduits. Make us channels. As you dump money on us, let us dump it into this place for the glory of God. Thank you, Doug, for that. So David was, was diligent in his fundraising, but he was equally diligent in his faith raising. As he told those people, we need your funds, he was also telling them by his own model of prayer, we also need your faith. In any stewardship campaign that limits itself to asking for money and does not ask for people's faith is a dead-end street. A little over a decade ago, World Vision International asked me to write a series of biblical reflections on leadership. I think I wrote about 40 of them. And one of them was on fundraising. And I, I wrestled, what in the world? How do you, what, what do I want to say? And I took this Psalm 127.1. And I said, if any of you leaders are going out to do fundraising, if you came to my house and I let you into my living room and you were talking to me about, about World Vision's ministry and you continually ask me for my funds and you never ask me to pray and you never ask me to extend my faith to help your ministry, I'd show you the door. I will give you a dime. Because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Yes, we need funds. Yes, we have a stewardship campaign to raise funds, but also to raise faith. It's about fundraising, and it's about faith raising. And the connection between the two, I am convinced that if we don't start with the faith, we either won't get the funds, or when we get the funds, we'll fritter them away because we do not have the guidance of our almighty God. So I, as your pastor, would never ask you for funds without always and also asking you for your faith, for your prayers. Because the only way this ministry is going to sustain itself and continue is to keep firmly in mind that unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And unless the Lord sustains the house, we watch over it in vain. What a beautiful thing we celebrated this morning. But we can't stop celebrating. <laughs> We have to celebrate what God is going to do with us in the future. So David prayed for funds. David prayed for funds. And he said to the people, you need to give. Because God is going to meet our needs through you. God is going to meet our needs through you. And then we read in 1 Kings chapter 5 the actual building process. So they raised the money, and they said, okay, let's build this baby. Let's get this thing up. So they started gathering what they needed. They got their resources. They brought in the gold and the timbers and the stones and all that stuff they needed. And as we read in 1 Kings 5, there were 30,000 laborers. There were 70,000 carriers. There were 80,000 masons, and there were 3,000 foremen. If my second grade math is still at work, that's 183,000 people who worked on that temple. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 6 that they worked on it for 20 years. 
183,000 people working for 20 years to build that beautiful temple. And Psalm 27.1, after all of that work, all of that money, all of that effort, 20 years, and Solomon overseeing that, Solomon wrote, Solomon wrote these words, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. The heading on this psalm is Le Shlomo by Solomon. So with all of the effort and all of the work and all of the gathering of money and all of the wisdom that God had given him, he said, you know, all that we're doing here, all 20 years of work with 183,000 people working on it, is just air if God isn't in it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. For 75 years, God built this place under our congregation's good hands. And today, God watches over this place, nurtures and protects it and keeps it growing through our hands. They've turned it over to us. And this is a what time? I thought, what an adjective? What, what characterizes this time? And I thought, well, it's an important time. Yeah, it is. It's a critical time. Well, that's a sexier way of saying important, I guess. It's a scary time. When you're in the office, Sarah's doing the budget, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's, whoa, it's a scary time. It's an urgent time. All of those are true. All of those are true. But none of them capture what Solomon is telling us in Psalm 127. Psalm 127 has an important, critical, and urgent message for us, but most important, it has a strategic message for us in a strategic moment in time. Where do we go from here to not only protect, to watch over, but to continue to build on what our, I want to say our forefathers, is that all right? Our previous members, covenant partners have done here. And, and, and our strategy right now is a wholehearted commitment to stewardship. That's what we do in the fall. It's our stewardship season. Last week, we had a stewardship emphasis uh, out on, on the patio of our, time, of our time and our talents with all of those tables. And many of you signed up to say, I will use my talents and my time to further this ministry. And as Doug mentioned today, this is a climactic moment. Next week, we are sending in our pledges or during this week to see so we can do our budget and we need your help. We need your money. This is the first time I've ever preached about money. But I am convinced that we are at a hump time in our history. We've been working with a lean staff this year because of a scarcity of funds. We've been washing toilets, taking out the trash, vacuuming the floors. You saw Kathy this morning running around frantically doing all this. Thing. Yes, so shut up. And uh, <laughs> she said, oh, don't say that. Yeah. But we're adding staff. 
we're adding staff so that we can do this ministry at a level that honors God and honors you and honors us. But the only way we can add staff is to add money. So we're asking you as you fill out that pledge card to realize that unless the Lord builds this house through you, our labors are in vain. Today we celebrate our history and we trust God to use our generous giving and faith to preserve and to further build. Some of you may remember the first Sunday I was here. I showed you this. One of my professors, one of my, when I was the dean, one of my professors who worked for me gave this to me as a going away gift, saying, this is how you have worked with us as your faculty. Every time we knew we were pushing that rock up the hill, we knew we had our dean behind us. And I said to him, you know, Aaron, every time I had to go to a meeting and talk about our department, I knew I had a staff I could be proud of. And another way of looking at this is as we push this rock up the hill, we fully understand that we have a history of godly men and women whose legacy and whose memory sustains us and helps us push that rock up the hill. It's also true that as we're pushing this rock up the hill, we're doing our teaching our Sunday school class, or we're doing our Stephen ministry, or we're doing our grief share, whatever it is we're doing, working with our missions team, all that, whatever we're doing, pushing that rock up the hill. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Who build it? So always think of yourself, whatever you're doing, raising your grandkids or kids, those of you who have those. There's somebody behind you. There's a power behind you. Not only did God not expect you to do it by yourself, he forbids you to do it by yourself. Unless the Lord builds, we're pushing the rock up the hill in vain. We're just like Sisyphus. Back down the hill, push it back up. God says, I'm going to help you reach the top of that hill. And at the same time, as God is doing his work, God is saying, I will build my church. This is my church. I'm going to do this. But guess what? I'm not going to do it without you. So as the Holy Spirit is building and sustaining and expanding our ministry around this world and expanding our ministry within these walls, he is saying, where are you guys? Have you got my back? Can I count on you? Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the, wa the Lord watches over what we have built, we watch over it in vain. It's God's work, and it's our work. Is there a greater thing on earth to celebrate than the fact that we are partners with one another and with Almighty God? to have a ministry here that changes lives here and around the world. And it's a beautiful legacy that we have. We've celebrated it this morning. And, and to close our service, we have a, 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 what's this thing called? A litany of rededication. A litany of rededication. Taking what others have built and building on it and continuing to build. So uh, I want to ask, um, uh, let's see, where is it? Sarah Siles. 
Jeff Husingfeld and Emil Fisher, who are long-term, I'm not going to say old again, long-term <laughs> members of this church growing up here. These two guys were little kids growing up here, and here they are this morning. Thank you. of the sacraments. For the comfort to those who mourn, for help to those who are tempted, for strength to those who are weak, we rededicate this house. For the sanctification of the family, for the guidance of childhood, for the summoning of youth to a life of service, we dedicate this house. For sympathy and fellowship with the needy, for brotherhood with all men, for the unity of all believers in Christ. We dedicate this house. For uh, aggression against evil, for fastening civil, civic righteousness, for promotion of peace and justice in all the earth. For the sending forth of the gospel unto the utmost parts of the earth, for the giving of hope and courage to those that labor in the Lord, for the consecration of life and service till thy kingdom come. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, which art in heaven, to thee we rededicate this house. O God, the Son, Savior of the world, head over all things to the church, prophet, priest, and king, to thee we rededicate this house. O God, the Holy Spirit, teacher, sanctifier, Lord, and giver of life, to thee we rededicate this house. So that was the third congregation to recite that. It was first recited in 1968, and again in 2018 at the 50-year anniversary of the sanctuary. And now let's lift our voice to sing together the church's one foundation. <laughs> 